Amen. What a beautiful hymn. Children are dismissed at junior church at this time. So, see you later. Hey, we made a slide for that. Isn't that neat? Good job, Megan. Uh, and uh, he's going to pull up a, a slide on Samuel here in a minute. We're going to be on 1 Samuel 3. So if you want to turn there while we, while we go there here in just a second, 1 Samuel 3. I want to thank Jenny for that song. And I like how you had that little interlude in the middle of the song to help introduce a sermon that was really wonderful. So we're going to be going to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to be talking about the call of Samuel. And I just found this PowerPoint slide just this morning, actually. And it's the only slide in the PowerPoint. So if you're hoping for more, sorry. And, um, and it has an old-fashioned telephone on there. That's what that is if anybody doesn't recognize it anymore. I mean, it's probably been a while. But anyways, we're going to look at the call of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Think with me about hearing. About hearing. Mark Batterson describes the amazing ability of the human ear in his book, Whisper. In his book, Whisper, the amazing ability of the human ear. He writes, the act of hearing is detecting vibrations of the eardrum caused by sound waves. And the intensity of those waves is measured in decibels. On one, on one end of the sound spectrum is the sperm whale, the loudest animal on earth. The loudest animal on earth, the sperm whale. And then on the other end, wait a second. I, there, I lost my place for a second. The clicking noise the sperm whale uses to echo, echolocate can hit 200 decibels. 200 decibels, loudest animal on the sound spectrum, or the loudest on the sound spectrum. Even more impressive, research, researchers believe that whale songs may travel up to 10,000 miles underwater. 10,000 miles underwater. Next to the sperm whale is jet engines at 150 decibels, air horns at 129 decibels, church organs. No, I'm just kidding. I just threw that in there. <laughs> Many times church organs are the loudest instrument in the church, though. But air horns, 129 decibels. Thunderclaps, 120 decibels. And jackhammers, 100 decibels. Though I'm pretty sure I think jackhammers are the most annoying sound out there. On the other end of the sound spectrum, so that's the loudest. On the other end of the sound spectrum is a whisper measuring just 15 decibels. Technically speaking, our absolute threshold of hearing is zero decibels. That corresponds to a sound wave measuring 0.000002 pascals, which causes the eardrum to vibrate by just 108 millimeters. That's less than a billionth of the ambient pressure in the air around us and smaller than the diameter of a hydrogen atom. Now, that last part doesn't really mean much to me because it's a little above my head. But it does show the ear's ability to hear and to sense vibrations. And to me, it points to our awesome creator, our awesome God, who created us with the ability to hear and see. That's just amazing. By the way, 
Do you know that you, you're, you technically see things upside down and your mind, when you're just an infant, learns to flip over the picture? That's just amazing. And that points to our awesome God who created us in his image. But I want to connect that illustration with Samuel. Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. You know, when did you know what you were going to do with your life? Did you know that something is what God had called you to do at a certain age, at a certain time? Or maybe you did a certain thing most of your life, and then midway through your career, you realized God had a different calling for your life. God was going to change up your calling in life. In the Old Testament, there are two books called Samuel. They're named after the prophet Samuel. Samuel was the prophet who anointed King David. Samuel was one of life's greatest... I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Samuel was one of Israel's greatest and most famous prophets. In a second, we will look at God's call on Samuel's life. Now, we will come back to Samuel next week as we talk about Saul, King Saul, who Samuel anointed. And Samuel also anointed David. And there's so much we could talk about with Samuel's life that we can't focus on at all. So we're mainly going to focus on God's call on Samuel's life today. We're going to read the passage as we walk through the passage. But Samuel is ministering under Eli. Let's read verses 1 through 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, they say, they read, Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. Now we're going to stop right there. We're going to find out what's about to happen here in just a moment. "'Twas the night of Samuel's calling, and all through the temple, not a creature was making noise except Samuel. There might have been a few mice, but we'll leave that for God to know. Everything's quiet, and Samuel's asleep. He's sleeping in the temple. Samuel is likely 12 years old at this time. So says Josephus, who was a, jo the, a, a Jewish historian of the first century, that Samuel was likely about 12 years old at this time. The young, the young boy Samuel was going to bed for the night. He would sleep in a room near the ark of God. It was sometime before dawn when this happened, and we know this because the lamp of God was still lit. The lamp of God was still lit. In Exodus chapter 27, verses 20 through 21, God had told them to bring clear oil to keep the lamps burning. The candlestick, which was seven-branched, was filled with just enough oil to burn through one night. The Lord gave the Israelites the instructions to make this candlestick in Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 through 39. That candlestick was supposed to burn throughout the night. So what is about to happen meant that the candles were still burning. The lamp of God was still burning. Now, Jenny alluded to a little bit of Samuel's background. And, and in 1 Samuel chapter 1, which we're not really focusing on, we see Samuel's uh, birth. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children, which certainly was a big deal then. 
and she prayed to the Lord and she said if the Lord would give her a child she would dedicate him to the Lord so she get, becomes pregnant and, and, and Samuel is born and after Samuel is weaned Samuel is dedicated to the temple Samuel is dedicated to Eli the priest of the time so at this time the lamp is still lit, and God tries to communicate to Samuel. God tries to communicate to Samuel. Samuel's ministering to the Lord with Eli. Eli is a young man. He's only 98 years old, or approaching his 98th birthday. His 98th birthday. And his sons were not good at all. Eli was the priest, but his sons were very, very, very corrupt. And you can read about that in chapter 1 and chapter 2. This passage says that word from the Lord was rare at that time, and visions were infrequent. But on this night, something's going to change. On this night, God is going to intervene. God is going to communicate. God is going to communicate to Samuel. Samuel hears from God. Let's read verses 2 through 9 now. Verses 2 through 9, still in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down again. It shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. We're going to stop right there for now. Now we see that Eli's eyesight is not very good, you know, because he's only 98 years old at this time, and they couldn't do cataract surgery and things like that back then. We've already talked about the lamp of God. Samuel is sleeping, and he's sleeping in the temple near where the ark of God was. Now that's amazing. The ark of God is, you know, the presence of where God would reside for them. The manifestation of God would be back then. And Samuel sleeping near the ark of God and as a young man. And the Lord speaks to Samuel. The Lord speaks to Samuel three times before they get the point so that he answers the fourth time. Each of the three times, Samuel goes to Eli Imagine Eli. Eli's there laying in bed, almost 98 years old. Can't see very well, but his hearing apparently is okay. Imagine Eli. He's hearing the pitter-patter of Samuel's feet coming to his room. He hears the feet. Some of you have been there. And he's got to be thinking by the third time, Why do you keep waking me up? It's 4 a.m. God is not up yet. No, I'm just kidding. God's always up. But 
you know, he's got to be thinking that. He hears Samuel's feet coming to him each and every time. And each and every time he tells Samuel, I didn't call. Go back to bed. Didn't call. Go back to bed. Eli should have known this was from the Lord, but it seems that this is making the case that Eli himself is not close to the Lord. Eli himself is not close to the Lord. In fact, when Samuel eventually does get the message from the Lord, it's a strong rebuke by the Lord on Eli and his family. Eli is a priest of God, but if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Eli's sons are wicked, and the message that Samuel is going to hear is condemning of Eli and his family. So Eli could have thought that this was just a dream. Eli could have thought that Samuel was just hearing things. Eli could have thought many things. I mean, have you ever had a dream and you felt like somebody was saying something to you? And then you wake up and everything's silent and quiet? I've done that many times. I feel like I'm hearing one of my kids say something and I rush into their room and everything's fine. And then I check around the house and everything's fine. Maybe Eli thought Samuel was just having a dream. But Samuel heard it again. Eli hears his feet coming to his room again. Eli sends him back to bed. Notice verse 7. It says that Samuel did not know the Lord yet. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This means that he did not know the Lord in the way that he would as a prophet. As a prophet, Samuel would have a very close, vibrant relationship with the Lord. No one back then knew the Lord like we do today. No one back then had the Holy Spirit like we do today. The Holy Spirit would be given to someone for a certain season to do something, and generally they did not have the Holy Spirit in a, in, for their whole life like we do today. The Lord calls Samuel a third time. Let's read verses 10 through 17 now. Verses 10 through 17. And the Lord came and stood. Notice that word, stood. The Lord came and stood. And called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew. Because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel. My son. And Samuel said, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Sometimes it's hard hearing from God. Sometimes it's hard understanding certain things in our own life. I heard this and read this about a nurse, and she wrote this. She said, I neglected to tell my new patient, a little boy, how his hospital room intercom worked. 
Soon his light flashed. I called his name and asked what he wanted. There was complete silence. I repeated myself. She's talking through the intercom to the patient, a little boy, a little boy who did not know how the intercom worked. And she's talking, and she repeats herself. After a period of silence, there was a pause, and then he said, Jesus, I hear you, but I don't see you. Where are you? To which she responded, I couldn't get to his room and give him a hug. Talking through the intercom. Well, Samuel has never heard from the Lord. He's never had these types of manifestations of the Lord's presence. This time, Eli knew it was the Lord. And Eli instructed Samuel to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. Samuel went back to bed. And this time, the Lord came. And it, it, it says the Lord came to him. And Samuel could actually tell his presence was there. And the Lord said it twice to him. The, twice the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. But this time when the Lord came to Samuel, it says the Lord came and stood before Samuel. The Lord came and stood before Samuel. I find that just remarkably amazing. The Lord came and stood before Samuel. This isn't just a voice from the Lord. This is the Lord's presence in some, some type of physical form. A lot of times we'll call these theophanies. Theophanies. Everybody say theophany. All right, you're a little bit awake now. Sometimes we call these theophanies. Theophanies are a physical presence of the Lord in the Old Testament. But sometimes we would actually call them Christophanies. Everybody say Christophany. So a Christophany would be a physical presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. I think every theophany is actually really a Christophany. Because Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the visible, the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the physical presence of God. So I think this is actually an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament in some type of physical form. And Jesus is there standing before Samuel saying, Samuel, Samuel. Notice the message. This young man hears a message condemning. Look again at verses 12 through 14. This is what God, or God through Jesus, says. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever. This is a forever judgment. For the iniquity which he knew. Because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifices or offerings forever. You know, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, God had already told Eli this message. God had already actually told Eli this message in the previous chapter. Eli's sons were wicked, and Eli did not rebuke them. Eli's family is going to lose the priesthood. And by the way, this happens 130 years later. 130 years later, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy. And it's listed in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 27 and 35. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 27 and 35 shows the fulfillment of this prophecy. 
Under the Mosaic law, the penalty for showing contempt for the priesthood, for disobeying parents, and for blasphemy was death. We can see that in Deuteronomy 17, 12, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21, as well as Leviticus chapter 24, 11 through 16 and 23. This would be what Hophni and Phinehas would experience. Hophni and Phinehas were the wicked sons of Eli. And they were wicked, and because of that, Eli's family was going to lose the priesthood. And in the very next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11, they will die for their wickedness. Samuel's first prophetic act was to rebuke the current priest. Isn't that amazing? This is Samuel's call as a prophet, and at the age of about 12 years old, his first prophetic act was to rebuke the sitting priest who had raised him. Eli comes to Samuel. Samuel's intimidated. He doesn't want to give the message to Eli. But Eli comes to him and says, Samuel, my son, tell me the message from the Lord. If you don't tell me, let it be done to you, he says. So Samuel gives the Lord's message. And notice, by the way, that all that Eli says, the only thing that Eli says is, it is the Lord. Let him do what sees fit. That's all he says. You know that Eli could have taken his sons before the elders and had them judged, but he didn't do it. Eli maybe could have repented right then and there. He could have repented. He could have put, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes on his head and tore his clothes and got on his knees and repented like we see Nehemiah do later on in the Old Testament and, and David do and others do. But he didn't. All he did was casually say, it is the Lord. Let him do what he sees fit. It's almost like Eli himself did not care. Like he had this terrible attitude about it. Maybe if he would have repented, the Lord would have given him a second chance after he had his sons judged. But he doesn't. Let's make some applications. We must always be prepared to say yes to God. Are you prepared to say yes to God today? Maybe God's going to give you a message. Maybe God's going to speak to you through his word, through his, his spirit, through the church. Are you prepared to say yes to God, even if, it means, even if it means having a very difficult meeting with somebody else? We must be listening for God to speak. Are you listening for God to speak right now? We must be open to hear from God. Are you open to hear from God? We must be in a place to hear from God. Samuel was a servant. He served and ministered to Eli even as a young boy. This put him in a position to hear from God. Are you in a position to hear from God? Are you serving the Lord, seeking the Lord, spending time in the Lord's Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in devotions, spending time with your church family, going beyond that to Sunday school in a small group? Are you in a place to hear from God? Notice that God is the main character. We must allow God to be the main character in our life. God speaks today. God speaks through his word. That would be the Bible. God speaks through his people. That would be the church. God, God speaks through prayer. Many times even still through his word. God still communicates today. Are we seeking the Lord? Seeking to hear from God? Last application right now. As a parent, we do not want to be like Eli. We do not want to be like Eli. 
Chuck Smendall makes the case that Eli was so busy in the temple that he neglected being a spiritual leader in the home. Eli was so busy serving the Lord, air quotes around that, in the temple, that he neglected his ministry to his family. And the reason for air quotes is many times we put the two separate. Many times we allow ourselves to say we serve the Lord here and there and everywhere while we neglect our first mission field, which is our family. Even our sphere of influence beyond our family. Eli seemed to have neglected his family. We must be like Samuel. Samuel was minister already at the age of 12. We must be encouraged that God spoke to Samuel. You know, God will speak to us through his word, maybe through people and many other ways. However, I think we may not hear him if we aren't ready to hear him. I think we may not hear him because we may not be seeking him. I think we may not think the Holy Spirit really helps us because we do not put us in a place to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan makes that case in his book, Forgotten God. I would commend that to any of you, and it's in the office. Read the book, Forgotten God, about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Many times we are so comfortable that we never leave our comfort zone. We never put ourselves in a place where we're saying, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to trust you today. And sometimes God will put us in that place even when we don't want to be in that place. And we can praise God and thank him for that. Is Jesus enough? Be ready for God to speak and know that if you're not hearing it, if you're not hearing anything, maybe it's because you're not paying attention to God. Of course, the first step in paying attention is knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And let me throw that out there. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you confessed that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Are you believing in Jesus that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again? Have you committed your life to him and trusted him as Lord and Savior? This means that you firmly, seriously, resolutely make the decision to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus and to learn and do all that Jesus says and then arrange your affairs around him. Jesus calls us to make him Lord of our life. We're not called to be a fan of Jesus. You know, uh, we're called to be a follower. Fans sit on the sidelines. Many of you will be watching football this next weekend when the season kicks off. Fans, fans are not sore on Sunday morning. And if they do, it's if they are, it's because they tripped up the, uh, tripped at the game or something. Players are sore. They're beat up by Monday morning. You know, fans aren't. We're calling players on the field serving King Jesus. Are you serving King Jesus? Are you a servant of the Most High God? That's what he calls us to be. He calls us to make him Lord of our life. Let's have a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we come to you after this sermon now. And Lord, I'm sure that right now you may be convicting a few people here today to make you Lord of their life. Lord, you are likely convicting a few people here right now to firmly make the decision to be with you in order to become like you and to learn and do all that you say and arrange their affairs around you. Lord, help us all, making you Lord of our life. Help us all, arranging our affairs around you. Lord God, I would ask that um, you help us to remember Samuel's example. Help us to be sensitive to your Spirit's call. Help us to seek you and follow you, to, to, to serve you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have questions about God or the spiritual life...
I would love to talk to you. Even if you're a non-believer, don't be afraid. I just want to talk to you and help you explore these issues. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. As Steve leads this closing hymn, um, the altars are open. And if the Holy Spirit's prompted you that you want to spend some time in prayer, feel free to come forward and kneel at the altars or sit in the front pew um, as well. Hymn number 29.